I want to thank you uh, for the weekend, for allowing us the opportunity to come to look into your word, God, and uh, be with a group of uh, men and women who love you, God, who want to do great things for you, God. And even though we're imperfect, we mess up, we sin, we fall short, God, you uh, still love us, and you still long to do great things to us. And I pray that you'll help us men to realize today that uh, if we put our, our faith and our trust in you, God, that you are able to do more than we could ever ask or imagine through us. And God, I know that's a difficult thing for so many people to believe. So work on our hearts in that today, God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I just got done talking to the teens about this very same thing. And I want to start out talking to you guys about a similar thing. I know that, uh, you know, as men, we like to put up this front like we have it together and we know we can do it and we're strong and we're able and all these things. But I know that I grew up with an incredibly good example of what a godly man looked like. And I know that within myself, there are battles as to whether or not I really believe sometimes God is able to use me in the way that he wants to. So I know that if I have those struggles within myself, having the upbringing that I did, the other guys who were not that fortunate have to have that amplified. So I want to ask you guys some questions, and I want you to think about something for a little bit. So when you look back over your, in your life, I'm going to have you guys do some standing up and sitting down, okay? How many of you here, first of all, we're going to start with a simple thing. How many of you guys here had a dad who lived in the house with you? Stand up if you had a father who lived in the house with you, okay? Sit back down for a minute. How many of you had a dad, stand up if you had a dad who lived in the house with you, who you felt like, even if it wasn't spiritually, really taught you what it was to be a man and did his best in making sure he was a good dad? How many of you guys had that? All right. It's quite a few left, right? less, right? Sit back down. How many of you guys had a dad who prepared you to live a life of faith that told you that God wanted to do amazing things in your life and he longed to use you? And not only did he tell you those things, but he shaped you to be used through faith in God. How many of you had that stand up? Look around the room, guys. Look around the room for a minute. You guys sit down for a minute. Now all of you who didn't stand just now, you stand up and let them look around for a minute. Those of you who didn't have that. All right, sit back down. Here's what I want to tell you guys. Sometimes it is very easy for us to believe that our ability to be able to be used by God is somehow affected by what we have or have not been given in the past. And I'm here to let you know that while a lot of you look around and you look and you say, man, I didn't have that. I, I, I am not the son of a father of faith who taught me how I could be used by God, that I could do great things for him. You are dead wrong. You're dead wrong. And the thing that we've got to come to the realization of is that we are sons of Abraham. And Abraham was a man of faith, and he laid out and blazed a trail for each one of us to be able to follow that says God can use you if you really have a faith and trust in him that allows you to get in line behind whatever God tells you to do and do it. So those of you who feel robbed, I'm sorry that you were robbed in that way on this earth, and it sucks that men aren't what God designed them to be and they haven't been leading in their homes and they haven't been teaching their children about God and you haven't been given that opportunity and wasn't as fortunate as some of the other men in here were, but it has no bearing whatsoever on where you go from when you walk out of this classroom. None. Because God has put people in your life. He's put men figures, father figures in your life for you to look up to. And if you look at Galatians chapter 3, starting verse 6, look what it says. Just as Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. 
Know then that it is those of faith who are sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. You need to know that you are sons and daughters of sons of Abraham. Our sisters are the daughters of Sarah, and they were they have been given a life that God says, I want to use you to do incredible things. And whenever God shows up, you know, we, we, he laid out a pathway of faith for you and I to be able to follow. And he's taught us what it looks like to be men of faith. And we need to get into God's word and figure out what that looks like and decide if we want to be used in the same way. Because Abraham affected every generation that came after him. Don't you want to be those kind of men? Don't you want to be the kind of men that when you look 10 years from now, one of you guys is up here teaching, and we have to have just the guys class in the room for 400 men. Don't you want to be able to look and say, man, God has used me because of my faith in him to create generations after generation after generation of men who follow him. And people's eternities have been changed because you chose to be a son of faith. Because that's what he is longing to do in and through every one of you, but we've got to look and say, okay, how does that work? See, God gave us Abraham for us to be able to look and see this is what it looks like to be a man of faith. You know, when you look at uh, Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, it started out with a dream in a sense. It comes with God saying, hey, Abraham, let me tell you about my dream for your life. Let me tell you about what, what is going to take place. And he says, listen, I'm going to make you into a great nation. I'm going to make you into something. You're going, to have more, you're going to have more kids than the stars could ever have. And we look at people like Abraham sometimes, and we tend to think, well, if God came and spoke to me, I'd be able to have faith too, right? And sometimes we get jealous of people in the Bible. And we're like, well, if God would literally come to me and speak to me, I would listen too. First of all, that's a lie. Because there are people who God has spoken directly to who still didn't listen to what he had to say. So don't buy into that lie in the first place. Second of all, you need to understand that God has given us his word to directly speak to our hearts. And you look what happens. You think it was easy for Abraham to believe because God came and told him this personally? Or God gave him this, this, this dream and vision of what his life could be like? And we look and we're like, yeah, sure, easy for Abraham. No, not easy for Abraham to believe that he was going to have a great nation of children when he's 75 years old. They didn't have a little blue pill in, in, old, in the Old Testament that he could take to make sure he could get it up so that he could knock his wife up. He's 75 years old, and he's looking, and he's like, I'm an old dude. That would not have been an easy promise for anyone to believe. Abraham had to make, he had to look and say, all right, this is the dream God says that he has for my life. God has made it clear through his word and through the people that he has put in your life that God has a dream for your life. He wants to use you to do incredible things. Jeremiah 29, one of the most used verses out there, one of the most famous verses, right? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future, right? All those things. God's, God constantly in his word is saying, I have a dream for you. I want you to do something great. You look all the way through the New Testament, that the dream that he had for them to build a great nation, a, a great kingdom, and he said, this is what I want you to do. And he's placed that same dream in your lap. You see, that faith that God wants you to have, it really does start with God's dream for your life. And he wants you to know that he is dreaming big for you. 
But ultimately, you've got to go from that first phase of, of hearing that dream or seeing that dream to the second phase was you making a decision. In Genesis 12, verse 4, God, says, so it, God tells Abraham right before this, he's like, look, yeah, I want to do all these awesome things for him. He's like, yeah, right, he gets excited. But then, as you know, what God normally does, he says, I want to do this to you. But then he says, okay, but you have to do this next in order for this to take place, right? We've all seen that in our lives, and this is where we run into a wall. Because for whatever reason, when it comes down to making a decision about whether or not we really believe God or not, whether or not we really have the faith, that, that belief and that action that go together in working in faith to spur us to obey God. So he says, Abraham, yeah, I'm going to do this for you, but you got to pick up and you got to move to another country. Wait a minute. What? But you look what Abraham does in verse 4. So Abraham left as the Lord told him to. See, God came to Abraham with a dream, and, and Abraham had enough faith to look at God and said, all right, he said he's going to make me into a great nation. Now he tells me I need to go here. I'm going to go. But yet you and I have such a difficult time sometimes with that concept that whenever God tells us he has a dream for our lives, we want the dream, but we don't want the obedience and the action that it requires for that dream to come true. See, Abraham was a man of faith because he made a decision based on what God said. And faith is when you look at God and you say, I know who God is. I know what he says. And when he says he's going to do it, and I know he's powerful enough. I'm going to do it. I'm going to make a decision based upon that. And so Abraham looks and he says, all right, God told me to go. Guess what I'm doing? I'm going to go. It started with a dream at the age of 75. It starts with a command where he says, go. And a decision had to be made. And then you go, on to, you go from Genesis chapter 12 to Genesis 16.1. And it says in Genesis 16.1, but Sarah still had not borne any children. This is 11 years later. He's 86 years old. You and I get frustrated with God whenever he delays the plans we think he has for our lives for two days. We get aggravated when we're like, well, I know God says that he wants me to have these great things. I know I believe he wants me to be a good husband and father, but I can't find a woman. And you've been looking for three months. And we're upset with God. And here's Abraham 11 years later, no closer to his parts working than he was before farther away here he is 11 years later going hey are you gonna do something with this or what God there's and, and for us sometimes God says I have this dream of what I want for your life and we make a decision we say yeah we want to follow him but that decision sometimes is short-lived and that's not faithful because whenever God hasn't given us exactly what we want when we want it we're like, maybe I made the wrong decision. We start doubting it. We start backing up. We start turning around and going the opposite direction. But yet we still expect God to fulfill what he said he's going to do whenever we're not faithful to him. See, we live in a society where you want everything when you want it when, right then. We go through a drive-thru, and if it takes more than 30 seconds once we get up to that second window, we're ticked off that we didn't get our food in time. Whenever you're sitting there and you're on the internet and you're waiting for a page to load, you didn't have to deal with dial-up. Quit whining, all right? Here's what I'm telling you. Here's what I'm telling you guys. We get so angry when things don't happen like that in our lives. And God goes, listen, that's not the way that it works. And the fact that you, the fact I made you a promise and the fact that you made a decision does not change the fact that there may be a delay in what God is trying to do. And that delay can come about for a lot of reasons. A lot of reasons. God knows what he's doing better than you and I do. He knows where you're at in your heart and in your life and in your ability in this moment better than you do. And sometimes he says, no, nah, I'm going to give you that. And we're like, I want it now. And he goes, well, if I give it to you now, you're going to screw it up, dude. So just hang on and let me do what I'm doing because I know better than you know. And we got to stop whining and we got to start looking and saying, okay, he gave me a dream. 
I made a decision. And no matter what the delay is, I'm not going to back off. Because I'm going to be a son of Abraham. I'm going to be a man of faith who says I'm going to fight through any delay no matter how long it takes. I don't care if I went from 75 to 86 and God's still promising me a baby. If he says he can do it, he's going to do it. Then you jump to Genesis 17 verse 18. Here's God again. Abraham, here it is. It's time, man. And he's like, dude, I'm 99 years old. You promised me this, you promised me this 24 years ago. How can a man, how can a man of my age have a kid? And what makes it even worse, right? It's bad enough whenever we look at ourselves and we're disappointed or insecure in ourselves, right? It's a whole nother thing when our women laugh at us, right? Sarah's like, <laughs> we're gonna have a kid. Yeah, right. Have you seen this dude's body? You know, we're like, <laughs> and we but for us, we look at it and we're like, we just we have this hard time believing. You want, let me tell you something. Sometimes it's on a delay, and sometimes we face difficulties that keep our, our, this dream from coming true when we think it's going to. And I don't know what the difficulties that you have faced or you're facing in your life that you feel like are holding that dream back and that promise that God has given you, but I can tell you this. There is no difficulty that you're facing that God hasn't worked through with someone else before you. I don't care. And, and when I say I don't care, let me clarify. When I say this, I'm not saying I don't care about you or what you've been through. When I say I don't care, what I'm saying is that God is not a respecter of those issues, and he will work through them. So I don't care what those issues are because I know he can do it anyway, okay? So I would clarify that. But I don't care the, the, the fact that some of you guys grew up with no dad. Some of you guys grew up with a dirtbag dad who mistreated you. Some of you guys were abandoned. Some of you guys were mistreated. Some of you guys grew up in a home with a dad who claimed to be righteous and wasn't. And you had to fight through that hypocrisy. Some of you have been sexually abused. Some of you grew up poor. Some of you grew up being disparaged and beat down. Some of you grew up and you and people were racist towards you. Some of you grew up, all these things. Those are all difficulties that men in this room have faced, right? All of those things. None of those things have anything to do with whether or not God can deliver on what he's promised you. And men of faith are able to look at all of those things that are going on. And once we made a decision, we don't care what the delay is. We don't care what the difficulty is. If God said he's going to do it, he's going to do it. And it's time for us to grow up and realize that God is exactly who he said he was. But the problem is sometimes those delays and those, those difficulties we face, they make us feel that we're at a dead end. They make us feel like it's completely over. You see... God comes to him when he's 99 and says, hey, you're about to have a baby. Guess what happens? He has a baby. God delivers on his promise, right? But then what happens not long after that in the account of Abraham? He finally has the son that he's always longed for, the heir, the one that's going to make him into a father of great nations. And what does God do? He says, all right, now what I want you to do is I want you to take that kid that I blessed you with, and I want you to take him up there on that mountain. And once you get up on that mountain, I want you to tie him up, and I want you to put him on an altar, and I want you to kill him and sacrifice him to me. And Abraham, being a man of faith, looks at that situation, and for all of us, we would see a dead end, wouldn't we? We'd be like, what is wrong with God? And, we, and I, the reason I say that is because I know that I've faced that. I know some of you have faced that, and some of you are facing those dead ends right now in your life where you just don't see any way that God's going to come through. But what does Abraham do? Packs up a mule, packs up a son, and takes him to the top of the mountain. Why? 
Because Abraham didn't see a dead end. You look at what it says in, uh, in verse uh, 21, uh, 1 through 6. First of all, take your only son whom you love and sacrifice him. Looks like a dead end. But here's the thing. God is always able to deliver. Always. No matter what you think the delay, the difficulty, or the dead end you're facing is, he always comes through. And Abraham looks and says, I'm going to do this anyway. In verse chapter 22 of Genesis, verse 12 through 4, you hear God say, don't hurt the boy. I provided a lamb. And God delivers. And here's Abraham at the top of that mountain after being faithful to the promise all those years, through all the delays, through the physical difficulties that he would have had to face, through what seems like a dead end, and he's on top of that mountain, and he and Isaac are standing there together, worshiping a great God who always delivers on his promises. God wants you to understand that's what he wants to do in and through your life, is he wants to, he wants to be able to bless your life that, but when we're facing those dead ends, the question we have to ask ourselves is, how do I overcome this? How do I get past this point in my life? How do I fight through this? And there's a few things in Romans chapter 4 that you can look at that you can see that God is able to do to bring us through those. First of all, we have to remember what God can do. We cannot forget whenever God makes a promise to us what he is capable of. Verse 17 of Romans chapter 4, Abraham believed in God who gives life to the dead and creates something out of nothing. You see, God tells Abraham to go up on that hill and do this, and as he's going up there, I think Abraham looks at it and goes, you know what, I'm going to do what God tells me to do because guess what? If I, take, if I take my son's life, you know what God's capable of doing? Raising him right back up because he knew what kind of God he served. And you and I too easily forget what God is capable of. And when we face delays and we face difficulties and we face dead ends, we throw our hands up in the air and say, screw it, I'm done. And that's why so many of our brothers and sisters have walked away because they get to that point and they forget what God has done and what he's capable of doing. I could look around this room and I could go through story after story after story. I could talk to you about Juan over here. And I could talk to you about the things that Juan has been through. And how he's had to deal with difficult things. He's had to deal with a screwed up freaking family. He's had to deal with living in foster care. He's had to deal with the loss of, of, his, of his babies. He's had to deal with all kinds of, of terrible things. And I could stop at all those terrible things and it would be just a sad story. But I don't have to stop at those because I have a God who is capable of raising a dead life and bringing it into something new. And so instead of that, I don't have to stop at that story. I can look at Juan and I can say, but Juan and Summer, who both have been through terrible things, adopted a little boy named Jaden and they love him like their own. And now they have beautiful little Ellie, their own baby, which they never thought they were going to be able to have. And Juan, who has never met his dad in face-to-face, -face, his dad is a dirtbag, to be honest, and Juan knows it. His dad has had opportunities to meet him. Juan's kids are never, ever, ever going to have that kind of life. They have a dad who loves them. Because we have a God who is capable. And we forget what he has done in our lives. And we, we forget what he is able to do. But here's Abraham, when God says, go do this, he's like, man, I got a, I got a God who can do anything. I have a God who is capable of more than what I've ever been able to believe because he knew that what Luke 18, 27 is said, it says is true. What is impossible with men is possible with God. 
in those dead ends that you look at, that you think you're never going to overcome, God goes, man, that ain't nothing. That's just a little hurdle. Let me knock that out of the way. Let's keep moving. But you and I, if we're going to be men of faith, have to remember what God can do. You have to look around at the lives of the people around you and what God has done so far. And you also need to look at your own lives. Because, you know, to be quite honest, a lot of the reasons that we're not men of faith sometimes and we don't stay, people don't stay in the faith is because we're ungrateful little spoiled brats. We forget not only what God can do, but we forget what he has done. That's what you see, again, you know, that's what Brian was talking about with the Israelites. Over and over and over again, a generation would come, they would raise up. They'd forget what God did and walk away from God. Some of you need to remember where you were when God drug you out of that pig trough. And be grateful for where he's brought you and what he's been able to do so far, but also believe in the dream that he cast for you before and realize that he is not done yet, so you can't be done yet. Men of faith don't give up when it's difficult. They remember what God can do and they push through those moments. Second thing I have to do is rely on what God has said. Verse 18, when hope was dead within him, Abraham went on hoping in faith. He relied on the word of God. See, not only did he know what God was able to do, but he knew what, God's, what God had said. You know, part of the problem with us sometimes, men, because we're undisciplined and we're lazy, it's hard for us to rely on what God has said when you have no clue what he said because you won't get in your word. We're so lazy and irresponsible and, and, and don't care enough to get into the word of God to know what it says. So how do you rely on something that you don't have any clue what it even says? We have got to get it together, men. We are not boys anymore. I just had this talk with the youth group and I told them the same thing and some of them are 14 years old. And to be quite honest, when you started having parts drop and hair growing in places, you became a man and it's time we start acting like that. You are not children. We need to rely on what God has said and to do that, we have to know what he has said. Hebrews eleven seventeen. while God was testing him, Abraham still trusted in God and his promises, so he offered Isaac. He was sitting there going, okay, I know this doesn't make sense where I'm at right now and what's about to happen and where I'm at at this station in my life, but I know what God said. So regardless of what I feel in the moment, I know what he said. You realize the Bible says to take every thought captive and make it subject to the Lordship of Christ. You realize it says that? In those moments when you're in your own head and you're sitting there thinking about how bad things are and how it's not working out and it's not what it needs to be and you start feeling anxious and you start feeling depressed. Let me tell you something, guys. To be quite honest, and I'm not saying no one needs this, the answer to your issue is not medication. You know what the answer to your issue is? It's faith. It's being men who look and take every thought captive. And when you think you're at a dead end, you remember what God can do and you get in his word and you hear what he told you to do and you believe it. I can't tell you how many times in my life I've seen men struggle with their faith, but when they finally start getting in their word and they realize what God has done and what he's promised to do from his word, everything changes for them. Verse 18, though it seemed Abraham's hope could not be fulfilled, he did become the father of many nations, exactly as God had promised. 
You and I need to know what God has promised in our lives, and we need to take a hold of it and hold on tight to those things and not let those things go because that's what men of faith do. That's what sons of a man of faith do. we got to remember what God can do, and we have to hold on to what God has said if we want our lives to be different. You know, when you're going through difficult stuff in your life and you're not in the Word of God and you're not seeing His promises, it's difficult to remember those. It's difficult to be able to, to push your way through those things. And God is calling us to be faithful men who remember what He can do and what He has said. The third thing is that, I'll start with this. You want to be men of faith, you have to face the facts. You see, Abraham, whenever he comes to this, this, this point, when he's 99 years old, right? Here he is, this old dude, and God's like, you're going to have a baby. Abraham's not like, yeah, I am. This thing's still working great, right? No, that's not what he says at all. He faces the facts, verse 19 and 20, without weakening in his faith. Okay, now think about this. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead, and Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he didn't waver with unbelief. See, you're not just facing the facts, but you're facing the facts with faith. You know, part of the problem with, with the way people act in Christianity, and one of the problems the world has with this is, they think Christians just turn a blind eye to bad things. And sometimes they're right. See, we have to face the facts. You can't act like everything's fine when it's not. You can't, you know, people ask you all the time, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing fine. I'm doing great. But really, we know what's really going on. We know the facts but we're not facing those facts with faith. So rather than confronting what's really in front of us and believing that God can bring us through on the other side, we just pretend there's no issue. And God's going, no, that's not the way it works. And here is Abraham, and I like how before it and after he faces the facts, you see the same thing. Without weakening his faith, without weakening his faith, and he didn't waver with unbelief. Abraham was not oblivious. He wasn't. He understood that there were issues that were going to keep him from physically being able to do it. But he also knew because of what God is able to do and what God had promised that God would come through. So even though he was facing the facts, he was facing them in faith. He wasn't ignorant. He knew what the issues and problems were. But he also knew that God was bigger than the issues and the problems that he was facing. 2 Corinthians 4, 8 says, We fix our eyes on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. See, we get our perspective really screwed up sometimes. Thank you. And we look at things, and the, we think somehow the facts dictate our ability to be men of faith or have an impact on the world for God. So we buy into all these lies that Satan throws in front of us. We buy into the lies and, and we give up. You know, you face, we face those difficult times, those delays. You know, we talked about this in the teen class. There, at the Crossings Church, guys, in the past year, there's some, been some really difficult things that have happened. Really difficult things. People have been lost. Babies have been lost. People have walked away. We've faced some difficult times. People have had some really horrific family things take place. Children walking away from God. There's been some rough stuff that we faced we would be completely moronic to act like none of that ever happened. We would also be just as moronic to believe that God can't work through and, and above those situations. 
See, but what we do is we focus on the worldly things. We, we focus on things that are the here and now. And whenever you focus on those things, you're not focusing on the facts with faith. You're just focusing on the facts. You know, in the last class I was in, Tim, uh, Tim was in there. I gotta take this off. Tim Smith was in that class. Tim lost his very faithful life, wife and loving mother and youth leader, and she passed away. And that's awful, and we can look at that, and it is, it's tragic for us in a sense, right? It's tragic that my buddy Craig lost his granddaughter this year. It's horrible. Awful that their family's having to deal with that. It was, the way it happened was awful. But let me tell you something. Mallory and Lolo are in heaven right now having a ball. And while we're feeling sorry for ourselves and sorry for them, they're like, no, y'all need to get up here. And we need to face those facts that tragedy takes place and that we live in a broken world, in a world that God had never designed to be the way that it is. But we have something better in front of us. That's the real facts. And when we face those facts in faith, everything that happens here, all the stuff, the stuff that we whine about, those are things that are heartbreaking, obviously. But don't we whine about some stupid stuff, too? When we don't get what we want and, and life isn't delivering exactly what we expected, we get so bent out of shape. Because we don't face the facts with faith and we're not looking at the long term, at the eternal of what God can do. That's what faith does. Faith is able to rise above what we're seeing right here and now and say, did God promise something better? He did for my life, but even more so for after my life. And when you start changing your perspective and we start focusing on the eternal things in our lives, everything changes. And God is able to work through us in ways that we could never imagine. God tasted, tested Abraham's faith with Isaac on that mountain, didn't he? Did Abraham pass the test with flying colors? Are you? You facing the facts with faith? Are you facing the facts, the difficult things that you're looking at that are right in front of you and you're going, I'm ready to give up. I'm done. We are not very resilient for having the kind of God that we have. Sometimes I look at the things I get so bent out of shape with and aggravated with, even this weekend. In all honesty, guys, I've been dealing with some stupid stuff this weekend, all right? Just... Stupid stuff. And on top of it, I'm wore out. I'm sick. <laughs> There's all this stuff going on. I'm responsible for my ministry. I'm responsible for helping with all this. There's a lot of stuff going on. And I was thinking about this earlier. I'm like, who cares? Ultimately, this is a momentary setback at best. God is in control. And I have to face these facts, and I have to work through them, but I have to work through them in a way that says, I know I'm going to come out on the other side because I know what God can do. I know what he said. I can face the facts with faith because I can expect God to deliver me because he always does. He always comes through. Verse 20 and 21, Abraham never doubted. 
He praised God for this blessing even before it happened. He was completely sure that, able, that God was able to do anything he promised. You see, I should have a confident expectation, a hope in faith that says, I know God can do whatever he said he's going to do, and he is going to deliver me from this situation. And when I stop believing that, I am wasting my time, and I'm wasting God's time. You know, I, told, I told the teens earlier, I told them, I said, for some of you guys, let me put it to you this way. You've probably heard the saying before, it's time to poop or get off the pot. Right? Nobody goes and sits on the toilet because it's comfortable, unless something's wrong with you. Like, you know, like we don't. Why do you go sit on the toilet? To do your business. And for some of us, when it comes to our faith, it's time to poop or get off the pot. It's time for you to decide, do you really believe that God can do what he says he's going to do? Do you really want to remember and rely on what God has said? Are you going to face the facts with faith, and are you going to expect him to deliver you? And if you don't believe those things and you don't expect it, what are you doing here? What are you doing with your life? You see the kind of man that Abraham was and what God did in and through him, right? That's the kind of men that God uses. He was not perfect. He actually made some really stupid decisions. He let his wife talk him into knocking up another woman, which brought about a whole nother set of issues up to today. See, Abraham was not perfect in any way. He was flawed in a lot lot of ways. But he was a man of faith. You don't need to be perfect. You don't need to have it all together. You need to remember who God is. You need to rely on what he said. You need to face the facts with faith, and you need to expect him to work because he said he's going to because that's what a man of faith does. And when we become those kind of men, God is going to do greater things than we could ever have expected. Look what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 1, verses 9 and 10. But this happened so we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us. He will deliver us. And we have set our hope on the fact that he will continue to deliver us. Paul's looking, he's like, look, this God I serve can can literally raise people from the dead. And while none of us in this room, anybody ever seen that? Because if you are, if you have, I want to talk to you later. We haven't seen that in a physical, literal sense. But I'm telling you right now, in the past 22 years of ministry, I've seen lots of dead lives come back to life. Lots. As a matter of fact, if you're an alumni, if you're an alumni, stand up for a minute. Look around the room for a minute, guys. See these men? These men are testimonies to the fact that God is who he says he was and what he can do and that we can rely on what he's promised, that I can face the facts with faith and that I can expect God to deliver me. The reason I can expect that is I can look around at the lives of all of these men and see what God has done and what he's doing in their lives and I can know that he wants to do it again. These are the men, these are the generations who have come before you. Are you going to be here 10 years from now standing up and having a, a flock of people following behind you, generations behind you that say, I'm here because that person's a person of faith. I'm here because he relied on the, on the promises of God. I'm here because he faced the facts of faith. I'm here because he expected God to do something great and he allowed it to be done within him. Or are you going to be one of those people who we were begging to come this year as alumni to try to reconnect them in their faith with God who refused to come because they've forgotten who God is and what he can do? Go ahead and sit down, guys. We are sons of Abraham. 
our faith. Our faith has made us sons of Abraham. And more importantly, we're sons of the Father in heaven. And when we forget that, we are unable to allow God to work the way that he longs to work in our lives. And like I told you before, guys, I'm speaking from that out of weakness. I, I can't imagine how difficult it can be for some of you guys. Because I was fortunate. I have a dad who should not be the man he is. You guys understand that? You know, most dads who are, most men who are sexually abused by their great-grandfather don't become ministers who change a lot of people's lives. A lot of them become abusers. A lot of them become addicts. A lot of them have some serious issues with their sexuality and where they stand, right? How many of them become ministers who work in broken people's lives and help people find what their life could be like with God? Not many. I'm fortunate. I can't imagine how hard that must have been for my dad. I can't imagine how hard it is for some of you guys. But, but, I also know that I have a God who is bigger than any of the bull crap that Satan has thrown at us. And if he can do it in some of the men that are at the Crossings Church, I look at our core leadership at the Crossings Church, and I'm like, dude, if God can do that through men like Craig, whose dad was an abusive drunk who used to beat the tar out of his mom, who was constantly insecure and trying to prove himself, if God can work in Craig's life, Man, come on, if he can work in Tim Pruitt's life, whose parents were addicts, and Tim was writing checks for the bills at like 10 and 12 years old, and was, was drinking and getting high from a super young age, if he can work through a woman like Janice, who was sexually abused by her dad from the time she was like 4 to what, like 15, if he can work in her lives to touch the lives of as many people as he's touched, as he, if he can work in all these people's lives, in Bubba, who's now in our court leadership, if he can work in his life, he can, he can work in anybody's life. Because they're sons of Abraham when they choose faith. You and I have got to make some decisions about what we're going to do. See, God came and he had a dream for our lives. And when you sat down and studied the Bible with somebody, I know they shared that with you. And you had to make a decision. And you might have faced delays and you might have faced difficulties. You might have hit some dead ends. But the thing is, God is going to deliver you if you are a man of faith. He is going to do it because he's done it before. He's going to do it because his word says he's going to do it. You can face the facts of how screwed up your life has been with faith, knowing that you can expect that you have a God who will deliver you. That's what he's longing to do. And to be quite honest, it's time for some of us to shake off the excuses. Your life is no more screwed up than Joseph's life was. I'll tell you that right now. It's time to drop all the excuses, men, and decide to be sons of faith, sons of Abraham, sons of the Father in a way that allows God to work. That's what we've been called to do. What are we going to do with it? We're going to pray, then we're going to take a few minutes to do some. What time are we supposed to be done? One. All right, so we're going we're gonna to pray, and then we're going to take a few minutes to just kind of talk. I want you guys to be thinking about some things, thinking about what is it? What is the delay or the difficulty or the dead end in your life that's stopping you? Let's talk about it. Let's see what it, where it's at. What's keeping your faith from being able to push you through those things? You know, questions, how you're feeling, and we'll discuss those things for the next few minutes. All right, let's pray.
Father in heaven, uh, I want to thank you for just for, again, for being a God who loves broken men. God, they're your, they're your favorite people to use because your, your power is made perfect in our weakness. And there is no greater testimony to the world if they could look into this room, see what these men have been through, what they've done. And God, the sin in their lives, the hurts from their past, the, the terrible things that they face, but also yet to see in spite of all those things, they're men who love you, believe in you, and are being used by you. What greater testimony could there be than a man of faith? God, help us to be those kind of men who you use to do powerful things. Help us to be sons of Abraham because we've chosen to be sons of faith. That we believe you are who you say you are, that you can do what you say you're going to do, God. That we can rely on your word, that we can face no matter what the facts or problems are with faith and expect that you will deliver us. God, help us to never forget those things. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.